please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, friends, we're coming towards the end of this uh, letter of the Paul to the epistles. And just when you think he's finished, he's got something else to say, uh, something very, very important, something vitally important for all believers. And if you are a believer here this morning, this is something you cannot neglect. This is something you cannot opt out of. This is something, along with all God's instructions, you must pay attention to. David said something along the lines, isn't it? I love all thy commandments. So we must love and treasure all God's instructions uh, to us. And uh, here he's going to be talking about the spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare that believers are called to engage in. No opting out. No absconding. You can't volunteer for it. As soon as you're a believer, you're signed up, like it or not. You should have been told that, really. You should have been aware of that before you became a Christian. That a Christian life is not going to be one bed of roses. It's not going to be an easy path for you to follow. It's not come to Christ and all your problems are solved. and Everything's going to be wonderful. And you'll have a nice, easy, comfortable life. When you die, you go to heaven. Everything will be so wonderful. That's the wrong message. So I met a lady not so long ago. She had this message given to her and she faced the problems of life. Why are these things still happening to me, she said. And I had to show her, well, that's life. We're not exempt from these things, but Christ is with us in these things. Christ is there. That's the message of the, of the gospel as well. We're not allowed to face these things on our own. So here, uh, friends, uh, the, the spiritual uh, warfare. Paul has been addressing particular groups, as we saw. I see so many children here today. I feel tempted to preach last week's message. Uh, but uh, we were looking at the different groups, uh, husbands and wives, the roles that they have to play, parents and children, masters and servants. Uh, each one had particular instructions uh, given to them, specific instructions for the wives, specific instructions for the husbands. And we looked at some of those key words which he mentioned in the previous verses. But now he gathers everyone together again. Finally, my brethren, now this is a message for all, all the believers, all those who are in Christ. Here is a message for, for them who are at the church at Ephesus, whoever is called by, that, by the Lord's name regardless of where they stand in that spiritual journey. They may have only just begun that spiritual journey. Newborn Christians, full of joy of the Lord, full of the joy of that newfound faith that they had. And they, they must enlist just as much as those who, have, who had been walking with the Lord for years uh, in the church and anywhere in between. So that all of uh, this is a word for all the brethren in the church at Ephesus. The moment uh, people first believe they're enlisted to fight 
and to resist the enemy. And there is an enemy, as we will see. The moment they believed and changed sides, our friends, they became a target for the, the enemy. They became a target for the devil and all his hosts of demons. The moment you become a Christian, the moment you switch sides, you become an immediate target for Satan. He's out now to bring you down. Before that, he left you alone. Before that, you could say, well, you're on his side. Before that, you're under his control. So he wouldn't bother you. You were no trouble to him. You belonged to his kingdom. So he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't, uh, he, he would leave you alone. He would, uh, he had you under his uh, control. You were, in a sense, you could say, no threat to his kingdom. You were belonging to him. And unwittingly, maybe, you didn't know. You thought you were your, your own. You thought you were following your own beliefs. And you thought that you were doing things your own way. But you didn't realize. Actually, there was a satanic influence causing you to live in a way that was rebellious against God and selfish and for, uh, against the word of God and a disregard for the standards of God. We thought, that's my own decision. You didn't realize that somebody was affecting you. Somebody was influencing you behind the scenes in the invisible world. The devil was affecting your mind, persuading you. You thought it was your own decision. Unwittingly, you were following the devil. It blinded your minds. And, but now, if you come to Christ, well, he is not going to leave you alone. He's out for you. you maybe he assigns. We don't have anything in the scripture to say this, but possibly he assigns a host of demons for you to, to, to trap you and to bring you down, to make you to slumber and to sleep in different ways spiritually. He's got so many tactics, friends. He's been around for a long time. Since the Garden of Eden, he's been around. And you can think, well, he made Eve to fall, and since then he's been learning one scheme after another, deceptive schemes after another, and if one fails, well, he's got another one up his sleeve. And he never gives up. He never gives up. So we need to be engaged. We need to be aware that there is a spiritual battle going on. Are you a Christian? Unaware that there is a battle going on? Oh, friends, we have to wake up if we haven't seen uh, these uh, things. He's out to hinder you. He, remember, he's your enemy. In fact, he's the enemy of all men. He's no friend of man. He doesn't love man. He hates man. Man is out to ruin man because you are made in the image of God, believer and unbeliever. He hates you. He wants to ruin your life, spoil your life, make you miserable, make you a rebel and seal you in your sins and bring you into eternal doom with himself. He's got no care for you like God has. He's got no, no interest in your welfare like the Lord has. No love in his heart, only malice against you because he hates God and he sees God's image in you. Friends, he has nothing for you like the Lord. He's out to hinder your spiritual progress, to stifle your spiritual growth. You're trying to grow in grace. 
You're trying to make efforts. He will do everything he can to stifle you, to hinder you from advancing. He's out to make you spiritually cold. To make you mechanical in your prayers. Oh, when you first came to the Lord, you remember, you follow zeal for Christ. You wanted to tell other people about him. How is it now? How is it now? Has he called you? Oh, you don't need to be so fanatical. You don't need to be all out for Jesus. You can just go to church when you like. Has he affected us? He tempts us, of course, to sin. He hates losing ground in your lives. You make advance. He will, uh, he will try and regain back that ground. He's out to tempt you. Then if you fall, but he'll accuse you. He'll accuse you. Look at what you've done. He made you do it in a sense. Well, not he made you, but he tempted you to do it. And then afterwards he will accuse you from all sides. He's out to rob you of your assurance that you're a, a son of God, a daughter of God. He's out to spoil you, to take that from you. <laughs> you're so careful about your mobile phone. Yeah. You don't want anyone to rob you of your mobile phone. But he comes and stealthily steals your assurance, that most precious gift from you. That's what he wants to do. Stop you from engaging in, in a soul winning. Don't need to worry. Weaken you. That's what the devil is out. Discouragement, that's another one. So many ways, friends, in which the devil is out to attack and to bring down to the Christian. Discourage you and what? That you don't feel like doing anything. Don't feel like doing your, uh, having your, your prayer time, your devotional time. You don't feel like going out witnessing. Oh, friends, this is a very real war. This is what these unseen evil spirits are out to do. We don't see them with the naked eye, but they're there. And this is the, the point that Paul is getting, getting at here, that we are engaged as believers in a spiritual warfare. It's not against flesh and blood. Verse, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, not against uh, people. It's against spiritual wickedness. Well, this is a real war, but it's also, we can say, a dangerous war. If you're young enough, and some of you here are, you can join the army cadets. I think you have to be under 18 or something, or 19. We can join the army cadets, and well, according to their website, you can take part in exciting and challenging activities. You can learn, put on the soldier's uniform and the boots, and you can go patrolling at night time. Oh, it's exciting. You can get a taste of what army life is like and what, what war is like. You can even take part in a mock ambush situation. Oh, that's so exciting, isn't it? Whoa. Be ambushed and get all those exciting feelings and get the adrenaline going. Well, uh, there are some uh, difficulties in this, but uh, in, in this kind of activity, some challenges, but it's, uh, uh, it's all for fun, fun, friendship, action, an adventure. It's not a real warfare. It's only a pretend one, if that. Pretending to be a soldier. Some difficulties, but certainly not dangerous. 
no danger attached. But the spiritual warfare, friends, is different. It's both difficult and hard, and it's also dangerous. And if we don't, if we're not aware of it, well, we may suffer spiritual loss. We may suffer spiritual harm in, in our lives. If we are not taking part, if we neglect this vital uh, element to our Christian walk, we may suffer spiritually. Some even suffer, we could say, desertion. Some leave the cause altogether because the enemy has so got into their minds and so into their lives. So there is, a, there is some danger here. We mustn't think it will never happen to me. Once a believer, once saved, always saved. Oh, friends, that's true. That's a true doctrine. We do, will not deny. We love that doctrine. But we must play our part. You know, over the years, especially the last few years, I've heard of people who I knew, believers. And we worshipped together in good churches, sound churches. And we went witnessing on the streets of London together. And now, I, then I hear that they left the church. And they cannot be contacted. And they won't answer their phone. And they've left the faith. Or they've stopped going to church altogether because something happened in the church which they couldn't get over. And they said, church is no longer for me. Oh, friends, it's real danger. Good, strong Christians. I thought that would never happen to them. If anyone's a Christian, he or she is a Christian. But it did. It did. And so we have to be uh, careful. The devil is out there really to take us away from Christ. So the first thing Paul says then is be strong. Be strong. You need divine strength. This is a spiritual warfare. You cannot use uh, carnal weapons. You cannot use guns and knives and things like that in this, in this warfare. You do not fight it in your own strength. You need uh, to be strong in the Lord. Paul says here, be strong in the Lord. Not in your own power, but in the power of His might. How am I to overcome? How am I to gain strength? How am I to be an overcomer as a Christian? By depending on Christ. By depending on His strength. By depending on the Lord uh, in everything. And by taking to ourselves the armor here that God has provided. Stre we are uh, the word is in the passive tense. Be strong. Be strengthened. Be strengthened by dependence on the Lord. He is able to help you no matter what your situation is. No matter how strong the temptation is. No matter how difficult a situation is. The Lord is, has resources. He has the ability to help you and to strengthen you and to uh, enable you to overcome to hold the ground in that particular situation. He has all power. He has unlimited resources. He's able to help all who call upon him. Look at Paul. Amazing life that he lived, isn't it? Tremendous life that he lived. And you see all that he went through. He wasn't just an apostle living a prosperous life, living it up. No, see all the things that he went through. And yet he says, 
The Lord strengthened me, isn't it? The Lord kept me in all the troubles and tribulations and the scourgings and the persecutions that he endured for the gospel's sake. How did he do it? Is Paul a great man? <laughs> Is Paul a greater man than us? No. Paul depended on the Lord. He got his strength from, from Christ. Listen to him. You know these words. Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All things. Now some friends, they say, I can do miracles. This verse is saying I can do great miracles. I can do wonderful things through Christ. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul did miracles, but that's not what he's saying here. If you look at the context, it's all about his life. And he says, I've learned how to be abased. I've learned to be thrown into a poverty, into a poor situation where I don't have enough. And yet God, Christ has strengthened me to bear with that situation. Christ has strengthened me, given me the inner grace and help to bear with these things. And then if I'm thrown into a situation where everything is going well and I'm tempted to forget the Lord, no, no, I cannot do that. I pray to the Lord for help that even in prosperity, Christ will strengthen me. And that's what he's, he's praying for. I've learned through dependence on Christ. It was an ongoing process with him. He wasn't a, a, a superstar saint. He had to learn uh, to do these things. And that's what we learned to depend, learned to draw his strength from Christ. You remember at the end of his life, he was still depending on the Lord in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And perhaps he had to stand before Caesar and preach the gospel. And he quivered maybe to, to do that. And he looked for comfort from other fellow believers. But all men forsook him, he said. And the, probably the devil was whispering in his mind, Keep quiet. Save yourself, Paul. You've been through enough trouble as it is already. Keep quiet now. Don't say anything. Your life's at stake. You can be free. You can go out. You can do more. No. All men forsook me, notwithstanding, the Lord strengthened me. The Lord strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known. He knew that he was not on his own. He received strength to witness and to testify, even in such a precarious position for himself. Well, we friends, we may be in a difficult place. Things are hard. Things may be pinch, pinching. We are troubled by, by our circumstances. The devil whispers, where is your God now? Where is he? He's not helping you. No, we don't listen to him. We bring our case before the Lord, and he helps us to resist all those particular suggestions. Well, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul is in prison, of course, uh, probably under house arrest here, and his chain, chained to him is a Roman soldier clad in the, the, Roman, the armor Rome had provided for him. And from uh, this picture of this, this uh, visual picture that he has before him, he draws his different metaphors for the spiritual armor. We're not going to look at all that armor this week, but we'll take a look at it next week, God willing. But here Paul says, put on 
the whole armour of God. The panoply in the Greek, all arms. Put it all on. Don't leave anything of it out. This is the armour that God has provided for you, for your safety. It's ready made. It's there. It's waiting for you. Like a suit. You want to buy a suit? You can go to Marks and Spencer. You can pick off the shelf. It's a ready-made suit. Yeah. Length, trouser length size is just right. The chest size is, is all done for you. Different chest size. You just have to pick which one is right. And you can buy it and walk out with it. It's ready-made. Here is God's armour. Ready-made uh, for us. All that we need to do is put it on. Six parts to it. We could say seven when you include the weapon of all prayer, defensive for our defense, and also for our offense, offensive. We've, we must, though, friends, put it on. Imagine that Roman soldier. Every day he got up. He had to put on his, his armory. He had to put on uh, this armor. He had to uh, tighten that belt uh, to him. He had to uh, make sure that he put on his breastplate and he, he took his, his, his helmet he, and uh, also checked his uh, sword, make sure his sword was sharp. You can see him, isn't it? Like some people, you can see him in the middle and taking out his sword and practicing, you know, stabbing people in, uh, as if he, in, in a shadowy kind of way, like a boxer does. And getting, making sure he's ready and agile to go out. And he puts on his boots and he picks up his his uh, shield from off the wall, hanging on the wall, and he goes out to the battle. He goes out, makes sure he's got every piece. He checks every piece before he's out. He dare not go out, especially if he's going to battle with pieces missing. Imagine if he went out with just his helmet and his boots. Well, what good would that be? He would become easy target, isn't it, for uh, the enemy. He would be a sitting duck. And... Uh, he, would make, he had to make sure that he put on every part. So also for us, friends, we have to put on all the, the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand. And verse 13 says something similar. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. To stand your ground. To withstand the assaults of Satan to to hold your position. This armor will be protective in so many different ways, as we shall see. To stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles, the schemes, the trickery. The devil is a, a cunning foe. He, he, he's got clever tricks up his sleeve to get what he wants from you, to get you to a position which he wants. The word means, uh, has the idea of, of method and craft and a scheming. It's like he has a scheme, a plan in place to get to attack us. And not just uh, an, uh, any, any, anyhow uh, attack, but it's a deliberate plan of uh, attack. A subtle one, a crafty one, a crafty way in which he comes to make us a fall. He doesn't come to us as he is. He doesn't come to us as he really is. That would be too scary. That would be too obvious. We would run a mile from him. He comes in disguise. He comes as an angel of light, Paul says. Covertly, in darkness, 
camouflaged by stealth. He'll come to bring us down. So, uh, this is his way. We have to be sharp. The devil employs various strategies. Paul, again, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, calls them devices. He has many devices, as we've said. He's got a lot of experience behind him with which to attack us. So, if, uh, if one fails, well, he'll try another. And if that fails, he'll try another. And if that fails, well, what about this? He's got all different ways. He never gives up. Until the day you die, you'll be engaged in this battle, fighting uh, his, uh, off his attacks and advancing also, we hope. He's relentless, and we must be. That's why we need everyday friends to put on this uh, armor. Hold our ground. We need to hold our ground. He's so angry that he has lost you. He's so angry that he has lost ground. And he's not going to rest still and say, okay, I'm gone, I've got ten more, whatever. He's going to be out to regain that ground in you. You've made advances in holiness. Wonderful. But don't think (laughs) he's not out to regain that ground. You may have conquered covetousness. Maybe before you became a Christian, you were a very covetous person. You loved material things. You loved money. When you became a Christian, and as you went on with the Lord, that temptation to get, 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 and spend, 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 well, it it, it changed. Christmas was no longer like your pre-conversion days. He was buying and spending, Black Friday, Boxing Day, gifts here, gifts there, and get, get, get. That was, your, that was our materialistic lifestyle for so many of us. But you've managed to escape that, and now you've reached a place of contentment with your wages, with your income, with your possessions. You no longer feel you have to run that rat race. Consumerism no longer grips you. Wonderful. Praise God. Thank God for it. That's good. But maintain that ground. Maintain it, friends. Because uh, the devil is out to regain you, to tempt you in some way. Oh, spend a little bit luxury item here. It's only one thing. You deserve it. You've had a hard time. Be careful. Don't become overconfident that the devil won't leave you alone. He's out to regain that ground he has lost. You've advanced in humility and meekness. You're kinder now than you were before. And you know it's the Lord who's done it. You know it's the Lord who's helped you to think and walk in that way. Well, thank Him again. Give the credit to the Holy Spirit. But keep watch. Because the devil will try subtly to make you proud again. Oh, you're wonderful, isn't it? (laughs) You're so wonderful. You're not like so-and-so, that other believer. (laughs) You're better than him, isn't it? Better than her. He He can make you proud of your graces. He's clever. Praise He'll praise you. Friends, remember those roles that we looked at? The devil is out to... Uh, take you away from those roles at home. Don't think the devil is just out to do some dramatic thing. 
is out to spoil your life, to take you away from God's standards. Remember the husband making that sacrificial love for his wife and the wife submitting to her husband. And those are graces, those are things that God values, those are God's standards. And the devil doesn't like that. And he's out to take, rob you of that. To rob the husband, to make the husband selfish and only concerned about her, to make the wife rebellious. Why should I listen to my husband? Yeah. He's influenced you. Taking you away. Be careful. This is uh, what he's up to. Truth, of course, is under attack. We need to hold our ground where truth is concerned. Hold fast the form of sound words, Paul said uh, to Timothy. Oh, friends, truth has fallen in the streets. If we have it, we must hold it fast. You look, liberal theology now is preached from so many pulpits. Human, re human reasoning has replaced truth. We can't explain it, so we can't believe it. <laughs> science is the God. I believe in science. How many times have you heard that? That's the God. I believe in science. And so the resurrection is denied. The atonement is denied from pulpits. Miracles are denied. Cannot have happened. The parting of the Red Sea, which God did in a, in a, in a moment of time, denied. Creation, we cannot explain it. So, so it's denied. Can you explain evolution? Very hard to... Hard, hard, hard how people can even believe in, in evolution. But <clears throat> all these miraculous things that God has done are denied. <clears throat> Verse 12. <clears throat> For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The enemy is not man, though he uses men, these demonic forces. Our weapons, therefore, friends, must be spiritual weapons. It's no good fighting these battles with earthly weapons, with guns and cannons and tanks and so on. They must be fought with spiritual weapons. You may recall, uh, I think it was in 1987, there was a movement began to reclaim the land. March for Jesus, they called it. And uh, some charismatic friends decided it would be a good thing to uh, march in the cities, the big cities of London, of London and Manchester and elsewhere, and to reclaim the land for Jesus. It's a secular weapon. It's a fleshly weapon. That's not going to win people back to the Lord. And the movement spread all across the world. And people all, worldwide were marching in their cities, uh, reclaiming the land uh, for Jesus. It's carnal weapons, friends. And we see this also in the church. In order to bring people into the church, what shall we do? Bring in the music. Bring in the worldly music. That's a carnal weapon. We don't trust anymore the preaching, pure preaching of the gospel. We trust now in these earthly weapons. Put them away. The enemy is not man. It's the, the evil one. We wrestle against various ranks of evil. That's what Paul is saying here. I'm not going to go through them all, but they're all various uh, ranks of 
evil that are opposed against God's people, powers, authorities, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That could be translated wicked spirits in high places. Why do such ideas as evolution, as liberalism, as materialism, as atheism prevail? It's because Satan and his countless agents are influencing people, persuading them to believe these things, blinding their minds, blinding their eyes to believe these things. This is, there is, friends, this invisible dimension. This war is taking place in that realm. Why are God's standards under threat? Why do people today call good evil and evil good? Is it just their own choice? Well, they have a part to play, but they've been infiltrated by these evil powers. And he comes even to us to tempt us to pride, to lust, to resentment, to be lazy, to put off our devotions. In so many ways, these uh, attacks come against us. But do remember one thing, friends. We say all these things and don't really want to speak so much about the enemy this morning, but I have, I know. But we need to be aware of what he is doing and his schemes and his devices. Remember, he can only tempt you. He can't make you do anything. That's your choice. That's your decision. Are you going to yield? Are you going to re resist? He can only tempt you. He can never make you sin against the Lord. Well, uh, we close then verse 13 again. Wherefore, with all these things happening, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. When those temptations come in the evil day, you have the armor on, you have, you're depending on the Lord for help, on Christ, well, you will be able to stand. And not only stand your ground, but to advance, to make progress, to gain new ground for yourself in your spiritual lives. To, uh, because this is not only a defensive armor, this is also for offensive purposes. As they say, isn't it? The best form of defense is attack. Attack, attack, attack. The sword of the Spirit, all prayer, the preaching of the gospel. Well, friends, we must also be gaining new ground. Let our faith, we have faith, increase. Let our faith increase. We've learned to trust the Lord in a particular situation. Well, he may then put us into a, a new kind of situation to, to, to learn to trust in him. Just like Paul learned how to abound and how to be abased. So we need to be ever making increases, increases in our love, in our sacrifices for, for Christ, in our self-denials, in our uh, desires for his work, for his kingdom, in our prayers. We want to be advancing in so many different ways. Well, one final point, friends. We have nothing to fear in this battle. We have a terrible enemy, it's true, but we have a great savior. And we have nothing to fear. He is on our side. We are on his side. He is for us. And if he is for us, well, who can be against us? But do engage. We must engage. Or we suffer from if we neglect these things. So let's uh, take these things to heart and, 
uh, saves in preparation so the next week we can begin looking in the armor itself. Well, let's close by singing our final hymn, number 479, Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on 479. <clears throat> Thank you.